Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Gather and Go, the podcast that helps you plan, promote, and lead better trips. I'm your host, Brian Jewell, and I'm so glad you decided to spend some of your time with us today. And as always, our promise to you is that we're going to do everything we can to make that investment of your time worth your while. Now, today on the podcast, we're bringing you a featured conversation with Lee Thompson of Flashpack. Now, if you don't know Flashpack, this is a very cool and innovative tour company that is focused on connecting young professionals in their 30s and 40s by means of group travel experiences all around the world. This is a fascinating concept. It's going to be a fascinating conversation. You definitely will not want to miss it. Before we get there, though, let's take a look at some travel news you may have missed. A surge in demand for international travel has created a huge backlog in passport applications in the United States. Throughout the spring and summer, applicants have waited up to three months to receive their passports, up from the four to six week wait times that were typical before the pandemic. Last year, the State Department processed nearly 22 million passports, and they expect to break that record this year. The State Department is currently receiving about 400,000 new applications a week. And although that's down about 20% from earlier this spring, a recent failure of the online passport renewal system created an extended backlog of applications. Now, the problem has gotten so bad that some members of Congress are receiving hundreds of requests for help expediting passports every month. State Department staffers are working tens of thousands of hours of overtime each month to try to clear the backlog, and leaders plan to hire hundreds more workers to help speed up the process. Interest in international travel appears to be higher than ever right now. 46% of Americans now hold passports, up from 30% in 2008. So if you are interested in going abroad anytime between now and next year, this would be a good time to start your passport application. Well, now it is time for the road tips segment of our show. That's the part of every episode where we dig into our bag of travel experience and bring you some tips from our time on the road that we think will help you make your next trip better and smoother and more successful. You know, uh, in today's conversation with Lee Thompson, we're going to talk a lot about building friendships and how travel is a great catalyst for doing that. And it got me thinking to a lot of the amazing people that I have met in my travels and some of the great and lasting friendships that have developed through those experiences. You know, when I was in my 20s as a young travel journalist, I was traveling uh, up to uh, 80 or more days a year and uh, meeting hundreds and hundreds of people a year. And I found myself having to develop the skills of conversation because very often on those trips, I might find myself having a breakfast meeting with someone I had never met. And then later in the day, I might meet another new person for lunch. And some days I would be with yet another new person at dinner time. That was a lot of new relationships to get started. And I had to learn really quickly how to have a good conversation and specifically how to ask good questions to start developing relationships and keep conversations flowing. And I have noticed over the years that the art of conversation seems to be in decline, especially among younger people. Yeah, that's right. Millennials, I'm looking in your direction and no, I'm not mad at you, but 
I think you could stand to learn a lot about how to have a conversation with a stranger and how to build relationships by asking good questions. So I thought I would share some of my favorite questions with you. These are conversation starters that I routinely go back to uh, whenever I have met a new person, particularly on the road. Uh, These questions help time and again to start good conversations, build good friendships, and I would love for you to use some of these questions the next time you meet a new person on the road. So what are some of the questions I like to ask new people? Well, here are just a few examples. How about what's the most meaningful travel experience you've ever had? That's always a great one because it takes people straight to something that was really important and impactful for them and not just a fun place they went or a pretty sight they saw. You could also ask something like, where's the place in the world you'd love to go most? Or what's your favorite thing about the place you live now or the place where you grew up? You could also ask a personal question like, where did you meet your spouse? Or what's your funniest memory from parenting? And as always, uh, when you are at a restaurant, you're sitting down over a meal, it is really, really easy to talk about food. And so very often I'll ask people, what was the best meal you've ever eaten? Or maybe if they seem like a good sport, what was the worst meal you've ever eaten? You could even ask somebody who seems like a lot of fun, what was the worst meal you've ever cooked? I guarantee that is going to lead to an interesting conversation. Finally, if you are traveling with someone, consider asking them, what are you looking forward to most on this trip? Not only does that give you an entry point into the conversation, but if you are a travel leader, if you are the person responsible for that trip, it gives you some insight into that customer, into their expectations, into their hopes, into what makes them tick, and it positions you in a place where you have more information and more opportunity to make sure you are facilitating an experience they will enjoy and appreciate and want to come back to with you again and again. And that is your road tip of the week. Well, before we move on, I want to share just a little bit of news from us. Now, you know, hopefully, about our on-site familiarization program. That is a program that we run throughout the year with partner destinations all around the U.S. and occasionally destinations abroad as well, where we invite you, our travel planner listeners and readers, to join us on familiarization trips to some amazing places. And now uh, I have a brand new trip to announce to you, and I think this is one that you are going to want to register for. December 8th through 12th, we are taking a group on a familiarization tour of the Louisiana River region. These are a collection of parishes uh, on the Mississippi River and the surrounding area in between uh, New Orleans and Baton Rouge in that part of the state. And we are going to be experiencing the holidays in Louisiana. There are some great things lined up for this tour. Uh, Attractions and experiences are going to include Christmas on the River, which is a spectacular event that includes a bunch of bonfires and other really cool local traditions. Uh, We're going to see holidays at the Homeless House, a very famous and beautifully decorated mansion. And we're going to spend some time at Kenner's Magical Christmas Village. You can apply to join this trip at no cost. All you have to do is get yourself there and all the other costs 
are covered by our hosts in Louisiana. So to apply to join that fam, you go to our website and the application form is there. Now I'm going to give you a URL if you want to go straight to it. It's a little bit tricky. So I'm also going to put this URL in the show notes. And the easiest thing for you to do if you want to apply for the fam is just to find the show notes. And those are at the bottom of uh, the podcast player if you're listening on an app or they're at the bottom uh, of uh, this web page if you're listening on our site. But either way, uh, the URL is grouptravelleader.com slash Louisiana-Christmas-Fam. Once again, grouptravelleader.com slash Louisiana-Christmas-Fam. Yeah, I know it's a mouthful. So do yourself a favor, just find it in the show notes or come to our website, hit the search button and just search for Louisiana Christmas Fam. Either way, you'll get to the registration page. Sign up there. We would love to have you join us for a fantastic holiday experience in Louisiana December 8th through 12th. Well, it's just about time for us to move into our featured conversation with Lee Thompson. Now, as we go into this, I want you to remember, you don't need to worry about taking notes because I am taking notes for you. That's right. We're going to have a wrap up of some of Lee's most important ideas at the end of the interview, along with detailed notes in the show notes for this episode. So if you are on the treadmill, if you are in the car, if you are in the garden, no need to stop. We have got you covered. And hey, I want to encourage you to stick around to the end of the interview, because in addition to those wrap up notes, I'm going to share some thoughts that might help you determine whether you should be thinking about taking your group travelers abroad. That is going to be today's hot minute. You won't want to miss it. And we'll be right back with Lee Thompson. All right, everybody. My guest today is the co-founder of Flashpack a company that plans small group adventures for professionals in their 30s and 40s. After a 14-year career as a photojournalist took him to some of the most fascinating places on earth, a chance first date with a fellow travel lover led to the creation of this new tour company. Now he draws on that deep well of previous travel experience to help create one-of-a-kind itineraries that delight a growing global community of young professionals. Lee Thompson, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brian. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. There's so much of your story that just fascinates me at a really deep level. Uh, First of all, I got to know how a first date led you from a career as a photojournalist to a tourism professional. Yes. Well, it's been quite a journey uh, since I met Rada on Match.com, who happened to live a couple of streets away from me in Southwest London. And on our first date, Uh, We obviously got on extremely well. We shared a love of wine and travel and got talking about this business idea that Rada had um, on a first date. And basically she was in her 30s, single, all her friends were busy getting married, having kids. And she just spotted this great opportunity to redefine group travel for people the same age as her because she realized that no single tour company really appealed to her. And when she told me this, I nearly fell off my seat. I was just like, this is not only are you fantastic, but this is the best business idea ever. And it does sound a little cheesy, but I think we both knew in that moment we were going to go on a journey and do it together. And here we are um, some nine years later. Yeah. 
Wow, that is amazing. So um, you had this great idea, or, or she had this great idea. Um, did either of you have any background in the tourism industry before to, to draw on to help you launch? Or did you just say, we're going to figure this out as we go? Pretty much, we're going to figure it out as we go. Um, so Rada had experience from, she used to do fundraising from high net worth individuals for the uh, charity sector. Uh, so she always wanted to set up her own business, was very entrepreneurial, had some ideas before, had a go at setting up businesses prior to this. Um, but I had never thought about setting up a business and I I didn't have travel experience either, but I had at that point traveled to over 100 countries as my job as a photojournalist. Wow. So I think the idea of setting up a travel company was like, just sounded like the most amazing adventure ever. So the idea resonated, but neither of us had experience in travel at all. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, you guys took the plunge and uh, you've sort of attracted a following. So tell tell us um, what you guys have planned, say, uh, for 2023. How many trips are you anticipating to operate? How many people do you think are probably going to come on those trips? Sure. Yeah. So um, we are growing really, really, really fast. Uh, we're bigger than we were pre-pandemic now. Um, and we're in the, you know, approaching up to 10,000 uh, flash packers this year from wow. all around the world. Uh, our biggest audience is America, um, which, you know, we're a London-based company and we never anticipated all this growth in the US, but Americans go completely crazy for this type of concept. They're, they really want to connect with new people, make new friends, which is our mission, one million friendships, and they want to travel the world and perhaps their friends aren't available to do that or don't want to do it. So we've just seen this fantastic growth um, all over the world, but specifically in America. So um, currently American travelers are traveling to, we've got 38 trips uh, anywhere, you know, pretty much every continent apart from Antarctica to kind of South America, uh, Mexico, Costa Rica. I mean, they're going everywhere with us at the moment, Bali, Vietnam, Thailand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's amazing. There's so many things there I want to dig into. Uh, but first of all, you know, your, your core demographic is in their thirties and forties and, uh, your co-founder was absolutely right. There are basically no other companies really targeting that age group in the group travel space. So I'm interested, uh, to know how you attract that demographic to the idea of traveling in a group, because the conventional wisdom says that people, you know, in their thirties and forties, either want to do things individually, they want to book it themselves. Maybe they're traveling with their, their families. So how do you attract them to group travel where they've got to give up a little bit of autonomy uh, in exchange for something else? What does that conversation look like? Yeah. So I think the thing that we've done really well since day one, uh, despite everyone else telling us we shouldn't do this is we focused on this age range. And I don't just mean just by putting an age up on our website. It was like a total like focus and obsession over a 30 to 40 something. Like who is this person? You know, they're living in a busy urban city in New York, Los Angeles, London, uh, high flying at their career, high disposable income, uh, single most likely, although we do attract people in relationships too. And once we got our head in that person, it wasn't very difficult because this was me and Rada uh, mm. before we met each other. Um, and essentially, we just built a company with this complete obsession over that persona. So not only did that mean um, developing a brand that would be appealing to this audience, but 
what we've done is focus on the group dynamic and we realize that the people you travel with is just important as the trip itself. And mm. um, everyone expects us to deliver to deliver a brilliant adventure, but we have an obsession over the people you travel with. We really recognize that that's the most important factor and that's how we communicate in our marketing. And that's why we've been so successful. Yeah. Is it fair to say that some of the people that come on your trips are craving that kind of connection because for whatever reason, it's difficult to build that kind of connection when you are so focused on your career and running at a frenzied pace and all those things that they're doing in their normal lives. Yeah, that's right. So these were trends that, um, unfortunate trends uh, for the world, but they were growing, they were increasing massively before the pandemic and now they're accelerating. So like singles households is like the fastest growing segment in housing. Uh, more people are having going through divorce, uh, sadly, over 50%, I think I read the other day in London, mm, wow. uh, in this age group. Um, there was a, a really shocking stat in New York recently that said over 50% of New Yorkers felt alone and lonely. So these are the types of unfortunate trends that are fueling this appetite for new connection. And I've seen some really shocking stats recently about, you know, feeling I'm not saying all our customers are lonely, by the way, but I think this is fueling the desire to meet new people. I read this stat about how being lonely or feeling isolated is like the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Like connection is the single most important thing to fuel a positive mental well-being. And it, it feels like everyone's now talking about this after the pandemic. It's like now yeah. a conversation that you can have with your mates in the pub and we are connecting people and making new friendships as our mission to create 1 million friends. And we've already made um, over 50,000. So we've got a long way to go, but we're doing yeah. really having a really positive impact on the world. Oh, that's, that's amazing. I saw that same statistic about the 15 cigarettes uh, just yesterday. Right. Uh, it, it's really striking. And it's a, it's a huge problem. I know in the US, I'm not sure about abroad, but I think something like at the high 70% of Gen Z in the US uh, report being lonely. You know, and we think about people in their, um, you know, in the very early parts of life, that's when you should be spending more time than ever with your friends. But we've got this, this growing loneliness epidemic. So um, travel can be a, a really powerful way to combat that, right? 100%. And I have been on lots of uh, flashbacks adventures. I went on three earlier this year. Something I love about, so before we'd set up a travel com a group travel company, I'd never really heard of this concept at all. It's not something that I... I would have gone on. I'm not just saying this because it's my company, but I love being around people that I've never met before that I would be unlikely to cross paths with. It's fantastic. You know, you get these people from the US, some people from Australia, from the UK, and you can be whoever you want to be during that conversation. You can reveal as little or as much as you like about yourself, and you can have conversations that are just not all that serious. They're mm. just fun, mm. and you can find out different uh, different about different people different cultures different ways of working like I feel myself growing being around a group of people that I've never met before and it's really um, liberating actually yeah do you think there's an element here where professionals in their 30s and 40s don't have many opportunities to have fun i i think so too i think so if you're especially if you're laser focused on your career uh you're trying to have it all in life uh you're friends are kind of you know busy getting married have, having kids and maybe you're just like doubling down on work you know in your right. career 
I, I do think that I, I can just speaking for myself, I've certainly forgotten how to do that. Mm. <laughs> I've actually been on my own mission um, over the last year to try and connect with some new new people, make some new friends. It's really important, but I think we can easily forget in this very busy, crazy world behind screens that we should be having fun. Yeah. So let's talk about this goal of a million friendships. I love an audacious goal, first of all. So congrats for setting your vision, you know, so high. There aren't many travel companies that define success for themselves based on friendship. It might be passenger volume. It might be, you know, bottom line revenue, you know. Why did friendship emerge as a really key metric for you guys? We ran uh, some interesting surveys across our customers that have been on multiple trips of us in the past. Um, it was a survey out to about a thousand people that have been on at least two trips or more. And on average, they had made three new close friends from those trips. Wow. And like 80% of them were traveling to different parts of the world to go and visit their new friends. Oh my goodness. And it's this type of data, which has led to the mission, like, you know, we're not just a travel company. There's, there's other ways, there's, there's other ways to go and see the world, lots of other ways, but we are really making an impact on people's lives and then meeting new friends. And if you just go through some of our reviews on Trustpilot, you'll see that people often say I had a life changing experience and you just don't really see that on a typical travel uh, adventure. And it's because if you make a new friend, it is life changing. Like your whole yeah. life can change from that point. So I think more than ever, the main reason for coming up with that mission post-pandemic is that we felt that the world needed to be more connected and that was really important to our customers. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. You know, I feel like the term life-changing sometimes gets used casually and flippantly. You know, I, I hear people come back from a trip to Israel or, you know, New Zealand or something and they say, oh, it changed my life. And I'd, I'd smile and nod along. Like, I'm, I'm sure for a few weeks you were really, uh, you know, dwelling on those experiences. They were really present in your mind. But, you know, six months from now, your life is probably going to look a lot like it did before the trip. But when people have developed friendships so deep that they're traveling halfway around the world to go see these friends again, that's like serious, legitimate life change. Did you ever expect that to be a part of what you guys were doing? Kind of, yes. I think we... Yes, I say we we were the first company to really recognize that the people you travel with is just as important. And I, it might not have been a punchy target in terms of we're going to make this amount of friends, but quite organically from the beginning, this started happening. So then what we've done internally is we spent a lot of time thinking about how we can help a group of people, group of strangers become friends. So there's things that we've done. So for example, that every time we build an adventure, on day two, there's like a, an activity that throws you outside of your comfort zone. So the, so just to give you some examples, in South Africa, you go abseiling down Table Mountain and, and an activity like that makes all this group of people that have never met each other in their life have some common ground. And honestly, there is no better way to fuel a friendship than a shared adventure. Anyone who travels will, will know and has likely made some really good friends whilst traveling for, by that. Um, so in answer to your question, I think we did spot this opportunity early on. But the fact that we can actually hit a realistic goal of 1 million friendships is, is, is amazing. Yes. So I want to dig more into, you know, being intentional about uh, cultivating tourism experiences that produce friendship. Um, you, your travelers show up on a trip. Most of them have never met before. And then somewhere between seven and 15 days later, 
they're going to emerge as really close friends. Uh, that is incredibly quick uh, compared to what happens at home. You know, you meet somebody new at a mixer or a cocktail party at home, and it, even just in platonic contexts, you know, you might have to hang out with that person a, a dozen times over three or four months before you feel like you have a real connection with them. So what happens in a, in a week to two week trip that supercharges the friendship process? Yes. So, you know, obviously they, they, they meet for the first time. I think the, the most, the key part is the pack leader, the guide that we call mm. the pack leaders. That person from our end receives a lot of training to help bond a group of people together, just like you do on team bonding. And it doesn't feel like that to the flash packer. It's not like really contrived, but it's important that say anybody that's maybe a bit more introverted feels like they fit in. Uh, it's important that, you know, we're not always going to get it right. There might be some people that maybe shouldn't have gone on a group, a group trip, maybe wanted a bit more of a solo trip. So it's important that we deal with those and work with those people in the best possible way. Everything we do is to protect that group dynamic. But aside of the, um, the example I gave you there about Table Mountain, there's things like, uh, you know, playlists in the vehicles, making sure that everyone, you know, gets a song on that they love, creates common conversation. Mm. Uh, there is, you know, the way we think about where you eat, often quite experience led, like quite very good kind of high end uh, local food. We just fuel it at every single touch point. No matter what they're doing, it's like, are we moving people around? So they're talking to everybody. Does everyone feel inclu- included? And what we are doing now, uh, which is really important, is we are now fueling and nurturing those uh, those friendships after they come home. So we've mm. built like a really uh, amazing community. We've got a whole host of events coming up this summer across uh, like LA, New York, um, San Francisco. So we're doing a very good job of nurturing those friendships and making sure they go away again, which is what's happening. A group of uh, 14 people just earlier today actually just booked South Africa together. They made such good friends. They all went and booked the same trip away. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. So talk to me about that. Um, the group booking element, because, you know, much of your marketing is, you know, solo traveler focused, but, uh, if a, if a small group wanted to do one of your trips together, what does that process look like for them? Yeah. So anybody can, uh, come back from our adventures and book a group trip together. We are seeing like so many people coming back and wanting to go away, but also wanting to then make new friends too. So occasionally we're willing to, you know, 95% of our travelers are solo, but occasionally we're willing to make an exception. If a group comes back and say three or four of them want to go away again and meet some solo travelers, then we're really up for that because we know that flashpackers understand like the solo traveler mindset. They understand what it's like to um, be solo and, ha- and and get to know the rest of the group. So it works really well, but there are a, a lot of returning flashpackers who want more of it. They want to make new connections, uh, meet new people. So you mentioned your, uh, your pack leaders, as you call them. Uh, there are very talented and very well-trained uh, guides, experts uh, all over the world. Uh, tell us some more about how you help someone who is already a, an expert in their home destination, uh, how you help them develop that extra layer of expertise in group dynamics and making sure that everybody feels included. Everybody's having a good time. Nobody is, you know, kind of on the margins of a a travel group. Yes. Well, first of all, it's really, uh, I was going to say really easy, but it's easier for us to attract some of the best guides around because 
we choose typically choose uh, pack leaders that are in their 30s and 40s. And for them, they also get to meet new friends. In fact, just one example, there was a group of flash packers that went to Costa Rica and the guide uh, made such good friends. He's now booked Japan with the whole group. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it goes two ways. So the, the guides are making new connections, new friendships too. So we can attract really good pack leaders. We already know that they're going to be experts in their country. Like they've done it for years. We choose guides that have got a lot of experience. So for us, it's really simple. We just focus them on our mission. Uh, we get them more involved in our brand, make sure they really understand like what they're contributing to. We make them feel valued. And it's just very simple bolt-on training to make sure they understand how to work with a group of people who have never met each other before, how to deal with anyone that might be a little bit cantankerous or difficult. And yeah, constant feedback loop to make sure they know how well they're doing. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It works well. So, um, many of your trips, uh, are not the same itinerary that you would get if you went to the same destination with any of a dozen other, uh, global tour companies. Uh, I'm sure that's very intentional in how you build your product. Tell us some about the, the philosophy that guides, you know, how you plan what your groups are going to do on a day-to-day -day basis while they travel. So fundamentally, it starts with one simple thing. It's, would someone be able to look at this trip and feel that it's difficult to do by themselves? Mm. Ultimately, that's, that's really the Flashpack USP. And what's really interesting about the group tour format is that essentially you're just sharing the cost with all these other solo travelers, meaning you can do things that would normally be reserved for the rich and famous. Yeah. This could be anything from... In Finland, we stay on our own island. We literally rent this whole island out and you get like uninterrupted views of the uh, Northern Lights on a, on a good clear day. And like that type of experience, you, you just wouldn't be able to do. Yeah. Uh, and then another example could be sharing the cost of a private yacht to a secret island in the Philippines where then a chef cooks up seafood on the beach for you. Like these types of epic experiences was what is what Flashpack's all about. And also you get access to really interesting people as well. You know, for example, in Japan, we go and meet, uh, have lunch with sumo wrestlers. Um, it's expensive <laughs> to do by yourself. Trust me, these guys, once they're in retirement, they make, they make a fair yeah. bit of money and lots of free lunches, but. Um, Good for them. Yeah. So these are the types of things you can do on a flashback adventure. I think this is what defines our brand. Yeah. So uh, I spent some time on your website yesterday and you've got a great editorial section. I mean, tons and tons of articles and testimonials from people who have, traveled with you before. And I saw one where uh, one of your, your flashbackers was saying, you know, I, the first time I took a trip with these guys, I, I kind of had to swallow hard over the cost commitment. Uh, but then when I, when I did it, it was, you know, it was worth every penny sort of thing. I, I looked at some of your pricing and thought, well, this is, this is very competitive, uh, especially considering what's going on in travel pricing just in, in general these days. How do your travelers, uh, react to the value proposition? Do they feel like, um, they're getting a lot of value for the money. Do they feel like they're being asked to pay for a premium product or, or are they saying, no, this, you know, I would have spent more than this if I had done this trip on my own. Sure. A customer should be able to look at our trips and see really good value for money. There's also a lot of things that we try not to shout about, but we try and raise the expectation bar when they're on the trip. For example, mm. we give our pack leaders like quite a bit of extra budget just to do loads of cool stuff on the trips. Yeah. I think when people come back, they will always say that was great value for money. Um, 
we're trying to do as good a job as we can of getting that value across. But ultimately, you know, trips can always be organized by yourself. But I think when you, when I've, you know, if you look at some of the things I just explained there about the island and the sumos and stuff, I think this is where Flashpacks adds value. It's almost, it's too difficult to even weigh that up versus doing on your own. So I think whilst it's true that there's definitely cheaper group tour operators, we just focused on quality. We just focused on being the best. And actually, I think this is why there's quite an interesting differentiator between the British market and the American market. I think Americans are just like, we've got limited annual leave. Give us the best vacation you possibly can and don't mess it up. Mm. Whereas British people are a bit like, oh, you know, totally stereotyping, but they like a little bit more of a deal, looking for a bit of a sale. Um, and it's we're not interested. We're just interested in being the best and the best quality. Market, yeah. Best value. Yeah, well, that's a that's a great philosophy. So um, you've got all these super cool experiences. Uh, certainly, you maybe have drawn on some of your personal experience traveling to over a hundred countries. But how else are you finding those opportunities to have lunch with the sumo wrestlers, take the private yachts, uh, you know, things you do in Jordan and Mexico and stuff? Where I mean, how do you even begin in a country that you have not worked in before to unearth something that's beyond the typical uh, guidebook attractions? Sure. Yeah. Like innovation comes from everywhere across the company, like between our whole team. I mean, we're nearly up to 50 people now. Everyone's traveling somewhere at any time. So there's like constantly great ideas coming into the, into the funnel. We've got such a, an extensive network of, of pack leaders now in like over 40 countries. So you've got, we, we utilize them, we lean on them. And there's also like, we've got like this extensive network now of like writers and um, journalists, uh, creators, influencers, if you like, and we get ideas from them as well. They're everywhere. Mm. And we're also at that stage now where we're, people understand our product and we get really solid pitches all the time from really mm. interesting travel companies. And I think, I think the thing that's interesting about travel is there's all these it's filled full of people who are like super passionate about travel, but they're yeah. not always the greatest at marketing. So <laughs> it's true. And yeah, we get pitches all the time, great concepts. And then we really kind of put the flash pack vibe on it and get it in front of the right audience. So um, it comes from everywhere. And we're lucky enough now to have a brand that's a good size where lots of great ideas are coming in all the time. So uh, you guys also have a foundation, the Flashpack Foundation, uh, that is doing uh, some pretty meaningful work in lots of different places. Tell us uh, about the foundation, what its mission is, and uh, how it's making a difference. Sure. So our aim is to be carbon neutral uh, by uh, end of next year. We uh, offload the carbon emissions on every single trip to make sure that uh, Flashpackers understand that um, they're leaving very few carbon footprints. We, I think most of the work we do on this that we're most proud of is that we try and work with local operators, local hotels, local guides, and really make sure that Flashpackers money goes right into the heart of the community. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, and this is like, um, I mean, recently I went to Sri Lanka with, um, with Radha and my family. And it was just after the pandemic and you start meeting all of these people that rely so much on, on the money that we're pumping into the, into their country to support their family. And that's really where I think Flashpack has the most value in terms of making an impactful mark on, on local communities. But yeah, so 
alongside uh, being carbon neutral, cutting out plastic, all that stuff that you've just got to do in travel these days, uh, it's making sure we work with the right people and pump money into the right local communities. Yeah. I'm interested uh, to what extent you um, tell your travelers, you know, we're, we're going to be carbon neutral. We're very focused on local uh, community engagements. Um, is that something you're kind of leading with or you just do it because you believe in it and that's the way you work? Yes. So there are lots of companies that would focus their business around this. It's like their main the main reason they exist. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually driving a lot of healthy change across travel companies. For us, it's like business as usual. Like this is what's expected of us. It's not, we don't feel the need to shout it out as something that, you know, we're doing to change the world. It's just something that's expected of us. And we'll just keep grinding away until we make a positive impact on the world. Um, For us right now, uh, and potentially, you know, an equally uh, making an equally positive uh, impact on the world. It's 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 connection. It's getting people together. It's connecting the world. Pe- making people feel less lonely um, in quite an isolated post-pandemic world. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. So, uh, where is the best place for uh, people to follow you or the company? Learn more about what you do, and and maybe look into uh, taking a trip themselves. Sure. So, first of all, if you want to take a trip. Uh, yourselves, you should uh, test out some of our customer experience team on the website, flashpat.com. Uh, they, there's like a concierge uh, kind of survey that you can do and we'll personalize the top trips for you based on your needs, which is really oh, cool. important. Yeah. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, uh, LinkedIn, probably best. You'll find me, Lee Thompson. There's lots of Lee Thompsons, but mine <laughs> is uh, with the picture of me taking a selfie on the top of Christ the Redeemer statue. It's a long story. Oh my goodness. Have a look out for that one. And um, yeah, like we've got, you know, up to nearly 40 countries around the world. So lots of choice, but uh, you should definitely try it if you're, if you're on the fence or thinking about group travel. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, before we let you go, we have some uh, questions we ask every guest and these are just for fun. So uh, no pressure, just uh, answer off the top of your head. Uh, when you book travel, do you book a window seat or an aisle seat? An aisle seat. And if I'm doing long haul, it's in the middle like the middle row aisle. So no one can bother me. Yeah. Simple as that. Ah, good thinking. Uh, what's one thing in your carry on that you wouldn't travel without? Eye mask. Ah, for sleeping on the long haul flight. I take my sleeping really seriously. I change my watch to the time zone the second I go on. Um, happy to skip meals, normally like grab some food in my backpack on the way. Um, but sleep on the right time zone is the most important thing for me. I feel like we could do a whole other episode on sleep and jet lag and all those tips that you've picked up over the years. Yeah, I've also got a sore neck for many, many years of traveling in economy, uh, hundreds, hundreds of flights. Yeah, I feel that. So if you had a free airline pass in a week with nothing else to do, where would you head next? India again. I've been to India multiple times, but no country has grabbed me in the way that India has. Like I'm obsessed with the music, the food, the culture. Like I go back there every day. I go and live there, to be honest. Mm, That's awesome. I feel that way about Mexico. Same thing. I just, Mm. it's deep in my heart. I I love it. Some countries just grab you. They just grab you. They really, and you almost can't even explain it. Like I try to explain it to friends and they're like, oh, well, that's nice. But you can tell in their eyes, they don't get it, but it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, final question, what's something you have seen or done on the road that you wish you could go back and experience again with somebody you love? 
I was in Malawi driving towards Lake Victoria and it was like sunset and all the dust on the road was kind of coming up. And there were these kids uh, holding water on their heads, like kind of walking. Uh, and I used to be a photographer, so they were, they were all silhouetted. It was the single best thing. I was in complete awe at this scene. And I think about it often. Mm. I would love to take my, you know, my family back to that moment then. It was emotional. I'm emotional thinking about it. It was like one of those moments that was incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. Well, Lee, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, nice to meet you. Well, I sure hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lee Thompson as much as I did. You know, I find the work that Flashback is doing fascinating and their mission is fascinating and so important in this era of disconnection and isolation. You know, Lee mentioned a few things that I found really important. And so I want to hit them again just to make sure you don't miss them. When we were talking about the importance of group dynamics in creating a really powerful travel experience, Lee said, we focus on a group dynamic and realized that the people you travel with are just as important as the trip itself. Everyone expects you to deliver a brilliant adventure, but we have an obsession with the people you travel with and realize that's the most important factor. You know, I love that Lee and his company have keyed in on this because this is something we have known in the group travel space for a long time. And it really highlights something that you as a group travel planner can do well in a way that you can offer value to your clients. See, uh, ideally, the people who are traveling with you all have an affinity for each other or for an organization that you're part of, or maybe they just love traveling with you. And if you can capitalize on those similarities, on those affinities, on those relationships, you can help take your group trips to the next level so that they're not just accommodations and tours and attractions and activities, but that they are personal experiences that help people make and build and improve their friendships. Now, when we were talking on the power of travel friendships, Lee said this, he said, if you make a new friend, it is life changing. Your whole life can change from that point. And we feel like the world needs to be more connected. And he went on to tell us some about how they do that. He said, every time we build an adventure on day two, there's an activity that throws you out of your comfort zone. It makes all these people who have never met each other have some common ground. There is no better way to fuel a friendship than a shared adventure. Now, I think this is a brilliant idea. And, you know, your travelers may not be into uh, rappelling or kayaking or whitewater rafting or some of these kind of adventure activities. But I think you can still employ a little bit of this same reasoning to build some friendships into your tours. Think about what are some things that your group would enjoy doing together that would help them start some conversations, build some relationships, find some common ground, and maybe even think what is something that is one step removed from things that my travelers often do at home? What is something that's just on the edge of their comfort zone, would they be willing to do one of those things if they know that I have set it up for them and that once we do it together, they are going to look back and say, man, that was amazing. And I had a great time. What a powerful opportunity for you to create memorable experiences and memorable relationships. Finally, when we were talking about how to create great value in travel, Lee said, would somebody be able to look at your trip and find it difficult to do themselves? 
In the group tour format, you can do things that would normally be reserved for the rich and famous. He went on to say a customer should be able to look at our trips and see really good value for money. And we give our pack leaders quite a bit of extra budget just to be able to do loads of cool stuff on their trips. You know, I love the way that he put that about uh, trips not being reserved for the rich and famous. That is a, a great marketing line there. And I think that's something that you can use when you are promoting your exclusive experiences, saying, hey, we are going to give you opportunities to do things on this trip that you wouldn't ordinarily get to do unless you are part of the rich and famous. And I also love this idea about giving tour directors and guides some extra budget to do cool things on trips extemporaneously, just finding fun things that come up and being able to say yes instead of say no. And again, this doesn't have to be expensive. If you just package, I don't know, an extra 20, 30, 40, $50 per person into the cost of your tour and give that to the tour director, or if you're leaving the tour yourself, use that as a budget just to have some fun, to give some treats, to have a little bit of extra over-the-top experiences. Your travelers are going to remember it. They're going to love it. They're not even going to worry about the fact that that was money that they actually paid to begin with. Great stuff there from Lee Thompson. So at the beginning of the show, we were talking about the popularity of international travel and the surge in demand for passports. And it got me thinking about the role that international travel plays or doesn't play in the group travel industry. And that is the topic of today's Hot Minute. Yeah, that's right. The Hot Minute is the portion of the show where I take 60 seconds to give you my unfiltered views on an issue that impacts tourism every day. And today we're asking the question, is it time to take your group abroad? So let's put 60 seconds on the clock and get into it. If you're like many group travel planners, you may love taking trips around the U.S., but maybe you're intimidated by going beyond our borders. Now, I get it. International travel can be complicated and expensive. Uh, if your travelers have never showed a lot of interest in international trips, you may not think an international trip would be worth the hassle. But based on the record number of new passport applications, American interest in traveling abroad has never been higher. More people than ever want to get out and see the world. And many of them would probably love to do it with you. If you're looking to bring younger customers into your organization or new customers of any kind, offering some exciting international trips might be the best way to do it. Some of the most amazing travel experiences you'll ever have are outside of our borders. If you'll step up and do the work to plan some international trips, I promise you're going to love them and your customers will too. That is the hot minute. Of course, as always, you are welcome to disagree with me and we will still be friends. And hey, agree, disagree, whatever you think, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us with your thoughts, questions, ideas, or rebuttals at podcast at grouptravelleader.com. I read every email that comes into that address. I always enjoy hearing from you. And hey, you never know, your thoughts or questions might just be the topic of the next minute. And while you are in the mood to give us some feedback, would you do me a favor? Go to your favorite podcast player, give us a rating, leave us a review. That is super helpful. And I am grateful to everybody who has done that so far. I'm grateful as well to Lee Thompson for joining us on the next episode of Gather and Go. 
I'm going to bring you a conversation with Kelly Sonner of TripMate. We are going to get into the weeds about travel insurance and help you understand a topic that can be really difficult and intimidating, but also super important. You're not going to want to miss that. Until then, though, remember this. At the end of the day, we're all on this trip together. So let's make it a good one. See you next time on Gather and Go. Gather and Go is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Jewell. Our publisher is Mac Lacey. Tanya Simmons is our creative director. Ashley Ricks is our circulation manager and graphic designer. Our sales team is Kyle Anderson and Bryce Wilson. To advertise on the podcast, call Kyle or Bryce at 859-253-0455. Gather and Go is a production of the group Travel Leader. For more information on our podcast, magazines, and events, visit us online at grouptravelleader.com. Travel Leader.com.